Welcome. This is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 63 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is about the Epsilon case and third-party sanctions risks. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, a podcast focused on the legal and compliance industry. Before we get started, two things. First, please rate and uh, comment on our uh, podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Uh, wherever you may uh, find it and listen to it. We want to try to get the word out to other compliance professionals uh, concerning the podcast and hope to support their efforts. Second, I wanted to remind everyone about the ethics and compliance legal services we offer at my firm, the Volkoff Law Group. Uh, In the trade compliance area, we support a number of global companies to ensure compliance with sanctions under U.S. Uh, Department of Treasury, OFAC laws and rules and regulations. We provide advice and counsel, for example, on uh, issues that may arise under sanctions programs, including Iran, Cuba, Russia, Venezuela, and other countries. Uh, We consult with OFAC staff when necessary concerning potential sanctions compliance issues, uh, apply for specific licenses if needed, uh, review specific transactions, and conduct appropriate due diligence and provide advice of counsel memoranda to ensure compliance with sanctions uh, requirements. We also provide export control compliance with the U.S. Department of Commerce, Bureau of Industry and Security, Export Administration regulations. We secure appropriate export licenses if needed under export uh, administration regulations. We interact with the Department of Commerce staff and officials represent companies before the Department of Commerce with respect to inspections or audits that are focused on uh, here issues. And in both contexts, uh, OFAC and uh, BIS, we prepare and file voluntary disclosures, and we respond to administrative subpoenas uh, to make sure that uh, any potential enforcement action, uh, we've represented companies before uh, to make sure that there's uh, compliance and 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 a very strong and affirmative uh, representation uh, in connection with any allegations of violations. So if interested in our trade compliance services, please contact me at mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Again, that's mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Well, today we turn to an important case, uh, and I've been trying to get the word out on the importance of this case uh, on the blog and now on a podcast The Department of Treasury's uh, Office of Foreign Asset Control recently announced the settlement of the Epsilon Enforcement Action. Uh, The case followed a long and tortured road, and eventually no one really came out the big winner. OFAC was eventually vindicated on certain, certain important principles and enforcement policies, but Epsilon, in the end, was able to escape uh, large penalties for uh, egregious violations. It was a long and strange trip, which requires a little background music uh, as we talk about this, courtesy of the Grateful Dead and the great song, Truckin'. The headline of this case for every global company and the implications for third-party risks are uh, significant, especially when it comes to sanctions compliance and making sure that you know where your products end up. 
We all know about third-party risks, for example, when we deal with anti-corruption issues. Companies can be held liable for third-party bribes paid on their behalf to foreign officials where they knew or had reason to believe that the third party would be paying bribes. In the sanctions arena, the standard for third-party liability is broader, and the Epsilon case underscores this risk. First, a party can be held liable for a shipment of goods to a third party that is in turn sold to a prohibited party or country, such as Iran, when it knows of such plans to reship to Iran, or has reason to know of such plans to reship to Iran. More significantly, and really the most uh, important aspect of this case, is that OFAC does not need to prove that the shipment in fact went to Iran. The offense is committed and completed at the time when the actor has the requisite state of mind, meaning that the actor, the company, has reason to believe that the shipment will be sent to an Iranian uh, destination and should have known that it's going to go to an Iranian destination without proving that it in fact, that it in fact ended up in a, an Iranian location. This is a broad and troubling area of liability for me. As a consequence, companies have to conduct due diligence and document appropriate assurances that the third party is not intending to ship the goods to Iran. A compliance program has to build in these controls to mitigate trade compliance risks. So let's start with the facts in the Epsilon case. The case involved two separate OFAC investigations for violations of the Iran sanctions program, an appeal to the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia, and then another appeal to the U.S. District Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit. OFAC learned in 2008 that Power Acoustic, a subsidiary of Epsilon, sent a shipment to an address in Iran, and OFAC issued an administrative subpoena. OFAC eventually closed the investigation with a cautionary letter dated January 26, 2012. Remember that date, January 26, 2012. In a separate investigation, OFAC learned that between September 2010 and in October 2011, Power Acoustic received wire transfers totaling more than $1.1 million from a commercial bank in Dubai on behalf of ASRA International, and that these payments may have been for products destined to Iran. OFAC issued another administrative subpoena. Power Acoustic confirmed that they had 41 sales of audio and video equipment to ASRA International between August 2008 and May 2012. OFAC found that five of these transactions post-dated its initial cautionary letter dated January 26, 2012, and the period ending in May 2012. Now, OFAC did not identify any direct evidence that Power Acoustics shipments were transported to Iran but they located a website for ASRA International which indicated that ASRA, through an affiliated entity in Iran, distributed car audio and video products in Iran. The Iran affiliate's address was the same as the address in the original 2008 illegal shipment to Iran. OFAC also noticed that photos from the ASRA International website revealed that ASRA International distributed acoustic uh, powers products uh, only and solely in Iran. 
OFAC issued a pre-penalty notice concluding that Power Acoustics should pay $4.07 million based on 34 non-egregious violations, which occurred before the January 26, 2012 cautionary letter, and five egregious violations, which occurred after the cautionary letter of January 26, 2012. After hearing Power Acoustics' objections, OFAC affirmed this penalty notice. So now the U.S. District Court uh, was uh, Power Acoustic appealed to the U.S. District Court and Judge Reggie Walton, who I happened to appear in front of when I was an assistant U.S. attorney in D.C., and, uh, and the judge affirmed the OFAC determination. There's a district court decision. It's a memorandum and opinion from the judge uh, affirming the OFAC determination. The appeal then to the U.S. Court of Appeals in the D.C. Circuit, however, uh, resulted in the reversal in part and, and affirming in part OFAC's decision with remand instructions. The Court of Appeals affirmed OFAC's enforcement action with respect to the 34 non-egregious cases, but reversed on the five transactions that occurred after the January 26, 2012 cautionary letter. The Court of Appeals affirmed that an exporter may be found liable if it ships goods from the United States to a third country with reason to know that those goods are specifically intended for re-export to Iran, even if the goods never arrive in the targeted country. So that's probably Iran or the Cuba program. OFAC affirmed this finding as to the total 39 transactions. The reason-to-know requirement can be established through a variety of circumstantial evidence, including course of dealing between the parties, general knowledge of the industry or customer preferences, working relationships between the parties, or other criteria that are far too numerous to enumerate. So up until December 2011, ASRA International in Dubai distributed to Iran exclusively. So by virtue of sending the products to ASRA International, uh, the government had met its burden because there was no other place for ASRA International uh, that they intended to distribute other than to go to Iran. The evidence concerning ASRA International's website and marketing document confirmed its exclusive distribution arrangement involving an Iran affiliate. For this time period, Power Acoustic could reasonably infer that ASRA in Dubai only distributed its products to Iran. For the final five shipments, however, the Court of Appeals found that the evidence did not satisfy the reason-to-know standard. Specifically, the Court of Appeals noted that OFAC failed to address several email conversations between Acoustic's sales team and the ASRA Dubai manager during the period of September 2011 to July 2012, which indicated that ASRA was going to start to distribute uh, products in Dubai uh, in a new retail store that ASRA International was opening. Based on this review, the Court of Appeals recalculated OFAC's penalty by excluding the five egregious transactions. The Court of Appeals then remanded the case back to OFAC for the recalculation of the penalty based on the change in the five transactions. So now we reach the end of the road, and OFAC and Epsilon agreed to pay 
uh, and announced the settlement for $1.5 million to settle the long and tortured road here. And the long and tortured enforcement action came to an end. But just to emphasize again, global companies need to undertake due diligence and implement appropriate controls to address the risk that its products may be redistributed to prohibited entities, an SDN, for example, or countries uh, that may be uh, barred. So in doing so, it's important to have contractual provisions that are included for use with purchase orders with a master, let's say, distribution agreement uh, and to reinforce these, uh, these provisions, uh, to get attestations, for example, with regard to specific uh, shipments, and then ultimately to audit and sample uh, some of the transactions to make sure that you confirm that they ultimately did not go to Iran, uh, that your products did not go there. So it's been a long and tortured uh, road, and uh, we'll end up our podcast today. Again, thanks to the Grateful Dead. And thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkoff Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. At Ethical Companies, employees believe in the company, they feel vested, and are more productive. As a result, misconduct rates are much lower, and financial performance is higher. We can help you achieve these benefits through an effective ethics and compliance program. You can learn more about our commitment to effective ethics and compliance programs at our website, www.fullcofflaw.com, our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can always contact me at my email address to discuss any of these matters, mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Let us know how we can help you achieve your goals. Most of the cats that you meet on the streets speak of true love. Most of the time they're sitting and crying at home. One of these days, they know they gotta get going. Out of the door and down to the street all alone. Chugging like the doodah man once told me you got to pay your hand sometimes because it's worth a dime.